Welcome back, my friend. Our topic today is a new world for a new people. God's not going to sort of patch up this poor old world and give us something that's all broken down. God's going to have a brand new world for a new people. I was telling you in the last program, some people in the studio came to me and they said, we've never heard about this, about this big explosion at Tonga. One of the greatest explosions in the history of the planet occurred just a little while ago off the island of Tonga. It was the biggest bang since Krakatoa. Now, you've all heard about Krakatoa. They heard the explosion, I'm told, thousands and thousands of miles away. Well, this came in a close second. It threw so much water up in the atmosphere that it increased the the water over Australia in the atmosphere by at least 20% and caused enormous floods. And it did something that a lot of the scientists haven't been telling us. It caused the air over the South Pole not to go up, as they say it should be. It caused it to go down five degrees. What do you make of that? You see, we're not always told the stuff on television, are we? Uh, Because this was not politically correct. Nobody was told about it. I want to tell you folks something. This is true. The Bible teaches that God is going to have a new world for a new people because nowhere in the Bible does it tell us that this world can be saved. Now, I'm not against trying to have clean air and clean water. You'd be crazy not to want to have clean air and clean water. Are you with me? But I want to tell you, folks, something after you've done all you can and after you've fed all the cows on, on this seaweed and stuff that they're doing in Australia, this planet cannot be saved because the Bible tells us that this is a sin-cursed planet. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is going to come and we are going to have a new heaven and a new earth that is the truth. I'm going to turn now to the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verse 11 and 12. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to the text. If you want to just follow on, that's that's just fine. But I read the Scriptures because I believe we are saved through the reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, Revelation chapter, what did I say? Chapter 20, verse 11 and 12. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. It's found no place for them because they don't exist. This present heaven and earth is going to go. It's going to disappear. It's found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Now, I want to see where the other text I'm going to read to you here. I've got it in my notes. Where is it? Revelation 21 and verse 1. So there's going to be a judgment day. Are you listening? There's going to be a judgment day. Every person is going to come back. 
we're all going to be resurrected. It's going to be the resurrection of the righteous and the resurrection of the wicked. The Bible teaches that every person is going to be resurrected. You are going to be resurrected. I am going to be resurrected. And we are going to face God in the judgment. And then after the judgment, Revelation 21 and verse 1, it says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. There it is. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first Heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. The Bible says God is going to have a brand new world. You cannot redeem this planet. I know this is politically incorrect, but I want to tell you folks something. Elon Musk, all of these earnest and sincere people who think they are going to save this planet, I want to tell you folks something. You can't save this planet because this planet is cursed by sin and Jesus is going to come back and he's going to redeem his people and this earth is going to be destroyed and God is going to have a new heaven and a new earth. In fact, I believe this. I believe this, that this Earth is ripe for judgment. It's like a a heap of rotten fruit. Well, where did I get that from? I got it out of the Bible. Come over here with me to Amos chapter 8 and verse 1 and 2, dear hearts and gentle people. Amos, that's one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. Minor prophet with a big message. Uh, Amos chapter 8. And verse 1 and 2. You ready for it? Amos 8, 1 and 2. Thus the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, is the Hebrew. Thus the Lord God showed me, behold, a basket of summer fruit. It's ripe. And he said, Amos, what do you see? So I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, the end has come upon my people. I will not pass by them anymore. A basket of summer summer fruit. The Bible describes our days as a basket of summer fruit. Listen carefully to what I'm going to say. Words are insufficient to describe the degeneration that sin has brought to planet Earth. The Bible says darkness covers the Earth, but the Bible also says that darkness is in the inhabitants of the Earth. And words are insufficient to describe the degeneration that sin has brought to this planet. That is why God is going to clean it up because it's become a basket of rotten fruit. Listen to this. No apologies. The sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. You say, what are, what are they? Well, go read the book of Genesis. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Go read the book of Jude. And it talks about the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
People say, well, we don't, we don't talk about it. No, of course you don't. A basket of summer fruit, rotten, stinking. The sins of Sodom are now accepted and applauded by presidents, prime ministers, church leaders, not all, but by many, pastors, not by all, but by many, and preachers. And so this world cannot be redeemed because it's become a basket of summer fruit. That's why I am not turned on at all by people telling me we've got to redeem this planet. You cannot redeem a planet which has become a basket of summer fruit. It stinks. It's rotten. It's putrid. And so the Bible says, I saw a new heaven at a new earth. God's not going to try to clean it up. God's going to replace it. It's beyond cleaning up. Come over here to Revelation chapter 11, dear hearts and gentle people. Revelation chapter 11. If you don't have your Bible, you can just follow on. That's okay with me. But there's strength in reading the Scriptures. Revelation 11 and verse 18, you say, what sort of church should I join? Join a church where Christ is glorified, Christ is worshipped, the commandments of God are kept, and people read their Bibles. Revelation 11, verse 18. The nations were angry. Goodness me, look at the nations today. The world is in a mess. It's in a mess because we turned it into a mess. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. Hey, God has wrath. Yes, he does. Your wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should reward your servants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those, look at the words, who destroy the earth. The Bible says that Jesus Christ will come in power and glory as the nations are destroying the earth. You folks all know about the doomsday clock, don't you? It's found in the the bulletin of the atomic scientists. They set it up after they dropped the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And every now and then they move the hands of the clock. Very recently, the bulletin of the atomic scientists, these are secularists, these are not believers. They move the hands of the clock to 90 seconds to midnight. So if you don't, t- don't want to take it from an old preacher, take it from the bulletin of the atomic scientists. People say, we don't want to hear this sort of stuff. Well, you may not want to hear it, but it's going to happen just the same. The nations are angry. I was reading The Economist magazine. I read it every week because it's somewhat uh, reliable. It's talking about the sheer hatred that is in the world today between the the leaders of the nations. The overwhelming hatred and the suspicion and the talk of nuclear weapons. I'm glad that I believe in Christ. Now, God's new world will exceed our expectations. 
It'll be very good. And there's room for you. So we say this. Let the scuffer scuff. Come on, scuff on. Let the cynics jeer. Come on, jeer on. We have hope and certainty and you've got nothing without God. This new world will be very good and there's room for you, even for the cynic and the sneerer who come to Christ. Don't set your heart on something that is worn out and soon to pass away. Something better is coming. And this new world is for new people. You can't go to this new world with your all your sins. You can't take along a, a wheelbarrow that is full of rotten fruit. The basket of summer fruit. You turn on television in America, in Australia, you know what you get? A basket of rotten fruit. And people are so confused. I was watching Australian television, which is not very edifying, doesn't expand the mind. There are a group of government officers sitting up the front and one man got up and said, would you please define for me a woman? What is a woman? This is in Australia. You won't believe this. If you'd heard this 20 years ago, you'd say, we knew they were crazy down there, but we didn't think they were that crazy. But where is crazy here in America now? They said, please, government officer, please define for me a woman, a definition of a woman. They all had a little conflab, men and women. They said, we can't answer that question. <laughs> we can't define a woman. We can't define a woman. If I told you these things 30 years ago, you would have said, lock him up. Okay, come now to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 13 and 14. This new world is for new people. Nevertheless, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. There'll be no stinking fruit in which righteousness dwells. Now, this text, we sometimes throw it away, think it's not that important. Look at it. Therefore, beloved, looking, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot or blameless. If you want to be found by God in peace, it says without spot and blameless. And if you didn't understand the gospel, that would be the most discouraging text in the Bible. You've got to get if you want to be saved, you've got to be without spot and blameless. Who is? Not me and not you. Because the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you want to get a load of the gospel in your soul, go and read Romans chapter 3. And don't say, it's too hard. 
Do you want to be saved? But it says, if you want to be in this new place without spot and blameless in him. Now, I was a boy at Avondale College when I heard this American preacher. I was about to graduate with a degree in theology and I thought I knew everything. (laughs) How dumb can we be? And then a preacher came from America, which was a big, big, tall man. His, his arms seemed too long. His legs seemed too long. And we sat there thinking, who's this guy? What can he teach us? Everything. His name was HMS Richards. The man who started the voice of prophecy, probably the greatest of the Adventist preachers because he understood the gospel. And his topic was the unsparing God. Put that in your head. Remember it. Come to 2 Peter chapter 2 and I'm going to tell you the sermon that he preached because it's the only thing basically that I remember I learned from Avondale. 2 Peter 2. Verses, let's see, Second Peter 2, verses uh, 2 to 6, I think, 2 to 6. And many will follow their destructive ways because of which, uh, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. Judgment day. Look at these verses, next three verses. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment and did not spare the ancient world but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. He's an unsparing God. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. So look at verse 4. God did not spare the angels. He didn't spare the angels. Why? He didn't spare the angels because they rebelled against God. God is an unsparing God. He didn't spare the angels. Verse 5, did not spare the ancient world. He didn't spare the antediluvians. Do I believe in the flood? Of course I do. And the world that then was overflowed with water, vast numbers died except those who got inside the ark. So God didn't spare the angels. He didn't spare the ancient world. And verse 6, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, he didn't spare Sodom and Gomorrah. The The sermon title by this great big American preacher who taught us a great deal was the unsparing God. 
I remember it as though it were yesterday. HMS Richard standing up the front and preaching from the Bible. And we asked our theology professor the next day, what did you think of the sermon? He said, what did you think? Well, we, being a bit stupid, said, oh, we think this and this, could have done this. We said, what did you think of it? He said, the best sermon this college has ever heard. From an American preacher, the unsparing God. And so he spoke about the righteousness of God, that God is not a mamby-pamby, he's not a teddy bear. God is the almighty, omnipotent, omniscient God, and he's unsparing. And if you rebel against him, he will not spare you. Then after he painted this picture of the unsparing God, he said, now come with me to Romans. Romans 8, 30 to 32. Romans 8, 30 to 32. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things of God as far as Who can be against us? He who did not, look at it, spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He spoke about the unsparing God. God could not even spare his own son. And then HMS Richards told the story when he was growing up, I think, in Colorado, He's always teasing his brother, driving him crazy. His mother said, you've got to stop this, Harold. He said, yes, I'll stop it, mother. I won't do it again. He made the promises, but he couldn't keep the promises. And soon his brother was screaming. And his mother said, if you do it another time, I won't beat you because beatings don't work on you, Harold. He said, the next time you do it, I won't beat you, you'll beat me. He said, never. She said, yes, you will. Saw pictures of Mrs. Richards, a beautiful young woman. Soon his brother was screaming again and Mrs. Richards said, Harold, the time has come for you to beat me. She took him into the bedroom, bared her back, made him go and get this great, great big stick, this great big stick, from down the back of the house at the creek. And then she said, Harold, beat me. He said, never. Harold, I'm your mother. I command you, beat me. I've been a failure. Beat me. He lift up the rod, tried to bring it down, cross his... In the end, he broke down. Then Mrs. Richard sat Harold down on the bed beside him put her arm around him and told him how Christ was beaten with the guilty, by the guilty, for the guilty, to bring us to God because he's an unsparing God. All this nonsense about God being so soft that he cannot punish goes against everything in Scripture. 
He's an unsparing God. He's holy. He's righteous. He's just. Then she told him the story how Christ on the cross was beaten by the sinner, with the sinner, for the sinner. And he spoke about the unsparing God who wouldn't spare the angels, the uh, antediluvians, the sodomites, and in the end he wouldn't spare his own son. And that's when HMS Richards discovered the gospel and found salvation and discovered that he could be found in Christ without blemish and without spot. Not because he was good enough, but because the unsparing God had come down from heaven and had been punished in our place. That broke his heart. He never teased his brother again. That's the story he preached in that sermon at Avondale College. There's a new world coming. And the wrath of God is going to fall upon this world and those who spit in the face of God. But for those who come to Christ in penitence and believe, They have acceptance and forgiveness and a mansion in the New Jerusalem. What can we say but glory be to God and thank you, Jesus. Pastor John Carter has taken us around the world to broaden our knowledge of the Bible. From remote places, he has brought us new insights into the scriptures. Now he is bringing these teachings closer to home, your home. He is asking you, followers of the Carter Report, to share any questions you may have about scripture, religion, and the challenges you face in your everyday life. First, record your questions on your cell phone. Then send these by email to questiontocarter at gmail.com. Watch for your recorded question and hear the answer from Pastor Carter. Jesus is the answer and we welcome your questions. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.